this week um, I took notes on my iPad and realised that I've, because I'm going through so many verses, I wanted to put them up for you to see, um, if you care to follow along in your Bible or your devices, which meant there was no time to transfer it to my big blue book, uh, whether or not I can see it. So, in order to see my notes, I need my glasses, which means I need to peer over the top of them. So, be attentive. You're not in trouble. It's okay. So, um, and I'll, I'll qualify what I'm about to say for the next 20 minutes by saying the verse that um, Adam read out before about uh, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you sums up everything I'm about to say. So um, if you fall asleep now, it's okay. But sometimes it's good to have a little bit more detail than just the broad sweeping statement. So these... Oh, I need a peg. Remind Antoline, remind me to bring a peg next time we bring this thing. Okay? So, um, Romans 12, 5 says, So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. There's a couple of illustrations of being a body of believers. And so I started thinking, what does it mean to be a body of believers? Normally when we talk about the body, we say, oh, we've all got different gifts and we're all supposed to work together. That's nice. But it probably means a little bit more than that. It certainly means that no part is more or less important than any other part. I'm no more important to the body than Todd is, and he's no more important than I am. We are all equally important. Oh, there are pegs. Thank you, Ken. Wow. Um, the other important part of the body illustration is that we're not expected to work individually. No matter how talented I am, or you are, I'm not expected to operate independently of my brothers and sisters. I still have needs, areas that I lack, that I need other people to fulfil. For me, in the past, the best example was when I used to lead youth groups. I'm really good at rules. I keep rules. I like rules. I understand why they're there. I'm not really good at having fun. In fact, I'm really bad at having fun. So when I, if I, if I run a youth group by myself, we do a lot of Bible study, we do a lot of sitting and talking, maybe a bit of praying, because they're all rules and easy to, to do. Fun, not so much. So I really needed um, people like Danny to come along and help me, because he's really good at fun. I don't know if you've noticed that, or at least he was really good at fun when he was younger. He's, he's not so good at rules. The number of times I had to stop him doing things like putting people on the bonnet of his car and driving around the car park, it was fun. It's amazing. Dale's not so good at rules either. But the number of things we did at youth group camps that really wouldn't have passed any set of rules by anybody, let alone a risk analysis, um, because it's important that we all, we're all there to contribute. And no matter how much some of these people enjoy having fun annoy me, I have to appreciate that I need them, that the group needs them. So we need to work with each other. You'll find the people you need the most are probably the people who annoy you the most as well. And that's just something we have to get over. Now, Romans 15.5 says, May the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. We need to be unified. We need to work at our unity in the local body. And there are things we do in the way we interact with people that can destroy that unity. And that's what Satan wants to happen. So... 
The things we can do that destroy unity are talking behind people's back when there's no chance for them to reply, not being willing to, to bring to them issues that we might have with them or issues that we have with the church. If there are things that bother you about church, I suggest that it's worth bringing them up to the elders. We may or may not be able to help them, but keeping them back and holding them and only talking to your friends, and not actually trying to address them, can destroy unity. And as elders, we need to make sure that we try and address concerns, even if we think, well, that's not that important, because it doesn't bother us. We need to be able to raise issues and deal with them. Then we go on to Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honour. So we need to be having love between our brothers and sisters, so we need to look out for the interests of other people in the congregation. Love isn't just this, love isn't a feeling. That you may not feel like you're in love all the time. It's actually looking out for the interests of the people around you. And that's important as we mature in Christ. It's more responsible, it's a more, it's a harder command for those of us who have been mature because we're expected to not be self-absorbed. Infants tend to be self-absorbed and as they grow up, they learn how to appreciate the other people in the family, gradually. As mature Christians, we should be there looking out for our brothers and sisters. And this is a family illustration. Paul wants us to start treating the other people in church as a family. And I wonder sometimes, would we give other people in our congregation the same priority we would give for family? Will we not do something in order to help our family? Or will we say, oh, that's only George, I don't have to worry about him, he's, he's a church friend, that's okay, but I'm more important. Are we willing to give up some of our time like we would for our family? Um, is, that, is that how we're willing to treat um, treat others in the church and giving preference to one another in honour when we work with others are we trying to honour them do we try and give them the limelight or are we trying to steal it for ourselves are we wanting people to look at us rather than saying look at all the stuff that these other people are doing are we trying to build them up and honour what they can offer uh, what's that one blah, 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 blah. of course the trouble with reading the iPad I put a lot more notes on here than I can get on my big pad so um Sometimes it's worth knowing, I wonder if you can compliment other people. How easy is it for you to find something nice to say about somebody? It's not a very Australian thing to do, but quite often it's really easy to criticise or put something down or just stay neutral. Oh yeah, it's okay, when you haven't really said anything. Can you compliment someone? Do you know them well enough? Have you spent enough time to know them well enough to actually offer them a real compliment that actually reflects who they are and your appreciation of them. Because that builds unity and it honours other people. Uh, let's see. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I actually think we did pretty good with that issue here. Um, we don't tend to judge other people too much because they don't follow the same thing. I mean, Dave and Hannah are really big on fair trade chocolate. We've had a lot, lot of young people really big on fair trade chocolate. I like cooking. I'm not big on fair trade chocolate because I can't buy the stuff I need to cook. And for me, it's the cooking that's important, not the chocolate. But I need the chocolate to cook. I don't feel judged by them when I put, serve up stuff that I'd really like to eat that they can't eat because I couldn't get fair trade chocolate drops to melt or whatever. 
I don't feel judged by the people who feel we should buy fair trade clothes and I just buy whatever junk I can buy. I don't necessarily agree or disagree with them, but I don't feel judged by them. I think as a church we did pretty well on that aspect of accepting other people the way they are. And I'd like to encourage us to keep doing that. Um, as we try and accept each other, I think we did pretty good at accepting people's idiosyncrasies. You know, I accept that there are people in this church that like four-wheel driving. I don't know why they do. I can't imagine enjoying it myself. But I accept that they find that a, a useful pastime. Um, and uh, do we work hard at forgiving each other um, as we need to? And in Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, it says, make every effort to forgive. This stuff doesn't just happen. We need to be making an effort in order to accept people. We need to be making an effort to say, it's okay, you can be like you, and drawing the line between what is sinful and what is just being themselves, the special person that God made them. I don't, I'm not suggesting we accept sin. Further on, we'll, we, need to, we need to address... In fact, oh, that's the next point. Okay, good. <laughs> um, Ephesians 5.21 Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're talking about mutual submission. You could do a whole sermon on submission to each other. Um, but submission means to yield to another's um, admiration and basically their criticisms and advice. Are you open to someone coming to you and saying, actually, I think you need to do this to be a better Christian or I think you're out of line here? Are you open to that if it comes to it? Or will you react by being super defensive when that happens? And I don't know how, how you best react. But this is a very important area. There's three verses that we're going to cover that talk about this. This is a function of the church, is correcting one another. Because we're all different, we see other things. People see in you things you can't see in yourself. And we need other people to help us understand when we've gone wrong, because our hearts are deceitful above all else. I think that's Jeremiah, Isaiah, one of those two. Isaiah, yeah. Um, we can't see our own failures often. We need others to help us point it out. So the first thing we need to do is be open to someone coming to us and saying, I think you're wrong, John, and finding a way to react. And I think I've mentioned it before. For me, when I was younger, that I would always get super defensive when people said that. And I've learned that for the best way for me, if you're going to say something to me about the way you think I've, I've sinned or done something wrong, I actually won't respond to you straight away because I know I'll be defensive. I want to go away and think about what you've said before I respond. Because I want to give you a response, not a reaction. When we first hear something, we react. But we need to make a response, not a... and think about it. Maybe, con maybe check with some other people and say, oh, look, um, Gary came up to me, Daryl, and said this about me. Do you see that as well? Is, is that something that I need to check? Because I know that Gary has a certain set of eyes coming from where he's come from, he might see things in me that I don't recognise in myself. So check with others. Don't just assume, oh, Gary's just new. What would he know? Come on. He's wearing a hat. What, you know, what, what would he know? Um, so are you open to that sort of thing? Are we open to doing that? Are we open to going to someone? How, open, how comfortable would you feel if you think, oh, I better go and talk to Adam and Michelle about something that I've seen in their life? Are you comfortable to think about that? Or would, you, or would you think, actually, I think I should go and tell the elders to go and talk to Adam and Michelle. 
That's not always the way it works. God's given each of us a responsibility here. And he does talk a lot about the right way to do it. It's not a matter of hammering on their door and saying, you guys are sinners, and then running off. It's a little bit more complicated than that and requires some skills. (laughs) Who was hammering on your door last, Michelle? Um, So, Romans 15, 14. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to admonish one another. So he's not talking to the leaders here, he's talking to the body. You're all, as mature Christians, able to do that. You will have a responsibility to do that when you see that in other people's lives. Going to the trouble of working out how to do it properly, checking that it's not just your opinion. This is about sin. This is not about things that just annoy you, like four-wheel driving. It's not about that. It's about sin that you see in people's lives. And we need to, when we do that, base it on the Bible. Base our comments on what the Bible says. So if you think you have a problem with something that I'm doing, check in the Bible first to see if the Bible has a problem with that. And sure, that's still open to our own interpretation and we'll interpret the Bible often through our own lens of the world. But we need to work through that. But it assumes that we're mature Christians and we're doing that. You guys have been here a long time. I've seen a lot of faces I've seen for the last 15, 20 years. You're all supposed to be mature now. Most of you. Some of you guys who are new, you're lucky. This one's not directed straight at you. But you're still eligible. Um, process is on page... Uh, Matthew 18, 15 to 17 talks a lot about that. I'm not going to go into great depth about it um, at the moment. I'm just saying it is a responsibility we have. Along with that responsibility to correct people, we get Galatians 6.2. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfil the law of Christ. This is hard work to work through with someone for sin. And in Galatians 6 1, the verse before it, which I forgot to write down, it says, You who are spiritual must restore those who are sinning. It's not enough to walk up to someone and say, Adam, Michelle, I've got this real problem with you. It's our responsibility to help them work through that if that's what's needed. To walk through with them as they address that issue. It's not enough to just dump on someone, I think you do the wrong thing and then walk away. Which is often what we do if we're angry, if we've left it. If we haven't volunteered and gone up when we're in good mind, if we wait until we're madder and madder and madder and suddenly I exploded Adam and Michelle, that's what happens. I just dump it on them, I feel better, they feel worse, all good, and we walk away. That's not what God wants me to do. He would want me to address it before I can't stand, before it gets too much for me, and in a way that I be prepared to walk through with it. And often you'll find Christians say, oh, people have come up to me before, they've said I've done all this bad stuff and I'm willing to agree with them, but they're not willing to help me. They're not willing to visit me again in a month and say, am I any better, am I worse? What's your plan for dealing with that? It's difficult and it takes our time. That's one of the reasons we don't do it. It's one thing to say, oh, look, I think I've got, you've got a problem like this. Oh, okay, I need some help fixing that. Oh, I don't actually have any time to help you. We have a responsibility to each other to help work through issues that people are struggling with. And they'll struggle with different issues. We all struggle with different things. I struggle with having fun. I'm really bad at it, and I'm only getting worse as I get older. That's fine. Other people struggle with rules. Sometimes we can help each other. Sometimes. Now, 
The next two verses, um, I don't have a lot to say on this, why there's a question mark next to them. Um, Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't know what to do with that. I really don't. I'm not advocating we go around holy kissing people. That's, um, unfortunately, there are five such exhortations in the Bible. It's not just one that you can dismiss, oh, that was Paul, you know. You can, it's said five times. And certainly there's a split between the cultural, which is the form, and the function, which is a sincere greeting. I think what Paul's wanting us to do is be able to sincere, greet people sincerely, whether that's with a handshake, but know them well enough to actually greet them and really be glad to see them. And maybe that's with a hug and a kiss, you know what I mean? Richard, I can't. He's a bit like that. Or when you greet with how are you going, actually stop and wait for the answer. Yeah, that's right. So our traditional how are you going, which is not actually meant as a greeting, it's really meant a social, um, it's a ritual. We're not actually interested in the answer. Try asking that and pausing for an answer. Wait for it. Most people, if you if they say how are you going, and you start saying, actually, my legs, I'm really feeling down, and they're going to go, uh, yeah, I don't really have time to talk about that right now. <laughs> Try asking questions when you've got time to answer, when you've got, when they, when you've got time to listen to the answer that they have for you. Um, yep. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. I don't have anything to say on that one because that's a whole other sermon topic or series topic on how we serve one another. Um, but we're here to serve ourselves. We to use our gifts to serve the body, not to serve ourselves. Mooney has a gift which he shares with us every Sunday. And he's doing it to share with us. He's not doing it to because he likes to be up, he's, you know, not doing it. Look at me, I'm good. I've got a guitar. That can, that can be cool. I mean, he might do a bit of that when he plays in his band. That's okay. But he uses his gift to serve us. We need to use our gifts to serve other people, whatever those gifts are. And the final one is 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. We need to be encouraging one another when it's getting tough. We need to be encouraging. And it's difficult. It's difficult to work out how do we encourage someone like Peter Richards. It's a tough, tough job. I mean, my dad's got the same problem with mum. It's hard to know what to say. It's hard to encourage people to walk on when things are bad and only going to get worse. It's hard to encourage people who are struggling when they've been a Christian a long time and their family's deserted them, maybe moved overseas with the grandkids. How do we encourage them to hold on to God's promises? Again, we need to encourage them through the promises. We need to look for promises. We need to say, I want to encourage Todd. So I look at his life. Say, Todd, I think these verses are for you. So take them to him. And run the risk that he's going to be a bit embarrassed. Go, oh, yeah, thanks. And we, we'll feel embarrassed too. But that's okay. So an encouragement requires us to know people. It's, it's hard to encourage someone you don't know, really. Um, I always remember the first church I went to, the tradition was you'd listen to the sermon and you'd walk out the door and say, thank you very much, that was great. Thank you very much, that was great. Whether you heard it or not, whether it was good or bad, you had to walk out the door, shake the minister's hand and say, that was good. That's just what you did. It wasn't very encouraging for it. It was just another ritual. It was much more, and I always find it much much more interesting when people come up and say, I enjoyed that and here's the reasons why I enjoyed it. Because it proves they were listening. That's very important. Um, so learning how to encourage one another 
It's not a skill that we're just born with, I don't think. Some people have it, but other people, particularly people like me, have to work at it. How do we encourage people? And is our encouragement centred around the Word of God? Rather than just that, oh, you make me feel good, so that was really great. Now, the last line on there is basically, I, I wanted to ask you to keep your eyes open. As you read your, do your Bible readings on and off, as you read through the New Testament, look for the commands that say one another, because they're talking about how we relate to one another in the body. As the, what the verse that Adam said is summed up, love one another. But love is, how do we look out, look out for others' interests? There's lots of ways to look out for others' interests. But it's not just their earthly interests, it's their spiritual interests. That's why it's important to correct people. If they're doing something wrong, they probably, based deep down, don't want to do that. They might not even be aware they're doing it. We need to look out for each other and care for one another. And the iPad says I'm finished. So thank you very much for your attention. Um, and we'll be back next week. And it won't be me again, it'll be Daryl. There's not a surprise, is it, Daryl? Good. Thank you very much. Yay!